0: Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to another episode of Horus Hour. I'm your host, Sing. With me, as always, is my venerable Sitchellite Varela. Hello there. Varella, we have finally made it to a Raven Guard novel. We've done loads of short stories. We've finally arrived at Deliverance Lost. How did you find this book?
1: Uh. Honestly, a really difficult question. It's just. I don't know, honestly. Interesting. Just a lot of sneakiness.
0: Did you, like, well, when you put the book down, were you happy with what you'd read, or...?
1: Yeah, it comes back to that sentiment. I was honestly like, you know, all right, that was pretty cool, but it it was still... I don't know. It was a weird feeling, honestly.
0: Okay, interesting. For me, I I mean, in a way, I kind of feel... A little bit similar. It was a a very interesting read. It's actually gone. It's it, look, we'll look at the Thursday ratings in a second, but it went down pretty. It's, it's a book that's gone down really well. I feel like it's one of those that a lot of people might have skipped past, but those who read it really liked it. And I think if you like the Raven Guard, um, I think the Raven Guard the book the book is about. Sort of controlled desperation. The fact that if the Raven Guard mess anything up that they attempt to do in the book, even the smaller stuff or the less combative stuff, is there's so few of them left at the start of this book after Istvan that if anything goes wrong, they could lose their Primarch, they could lose their whole legion, uh, could be basically destroyed. And that was something that sort of stayed with me throughout. It was um, a group of characters who were all who had all had to come to terms with the fact that if they mess any any battle up if they mess any action up, that could be curtains for their entire sort of organization and so in that sense I found it very entertaining and I think there's some very cool moments in there there's some standout moments for me. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it was an interesting read, and I don't. I don't think I disliked it. I think a lot of people say if you don't like the Raven Guard, skip. But I don't know. I think it has some. Um, some really interesting stuff. I have to put my hands up in the air as the person who's read, mo- you know, who's read a lot of the books before we cover them. Um, I have to say that we definitely should have covered Legion before this series. Um, it wasn't as clearly linked in uh, in uh, Horace Heresy sort of reading order where Legion fits it sort of just is like attached to an ultramarine novel I think um, but it's so standalone there was nowhere easy to put it but yeah there's some stuff in Deliverance Lost and Vulcan Lives which definitely Varela you would have benefited from if we'd done Legion first so that is on me I but having read, that's yeah, enough. having read having read Legion you have a lot more sense at, I mean you're also a guy who's scoured the wikis before we did. you did any reading of any, you know, official material. So I don't know how much you know about why the Alpha Legion turned to Chaos anyway. It's kind of briefly explained, I think, but at the same time, I don't know how much you know.
1: Uh, well, I, I know that at least at this point they haven't... They're, they're not really aligned with Chaos, they just align themselves with Horrors, ain't it?
0: Sure, they, uh, yeah, you catch my drift.
1: Yeah, they, they, why they turned bad? I, I guess the book kind of hints that somehow the Cabal got a hold of the Twin Primarchs and convinced them of the greater of their greater purpose. Okay, and so then, you don't actually
0: know how it happens. I don't know exactly how debatum. it happens. No. Yeah. Okay, well then you've got that to look forward to in Legion. Uh, I mean we know in Fulgrim that the Alpha Legions turned. It's not like a, it's not like they were. It's a surprise in the Horus Heresy that they turned bad. Um, but we will cover Legion in due course and, I, and that'll probably provide you with some some foundation. So, do you want to do our own ratings first or do you want to see what other people had to say? And then that'll help you make up your mind.
1: I mean, I'm down to do ours first, I guess. Uh, okay. If you, if you want to start. <laughs> 7.3. 7.3.
0: Okay. Because I've, I think... I'm quite a positive guy when it comes to Warhammer, as it is, because there's so much negativity in the hobby as it is that uh, I much rather align with the positive sides. So you'll never really give me, see, you know, unless it's a bit of a... If it's what I would consider a stinker, I'm going to give it, like, a six. Um, and I'm not really going to go much lower than that. Um, but I will say that, you know, this book didn't have me, like, on the edge of my seat. Uh it was a solid it was a good book not even solid it was good and there was a very cool moment uh, about perhaps my favorite faction outside of the space marines just a one particular little moment where i really appreciated the author had obviously had that moment sort of visually in his head and so i really like that so yeah and and given i'd done the short stories as well and read those and then explained them to you i you know i felt pretty uh sort of Invested in the raven guard. So yeah, I think a good 7.4 because they can't all be standout winners Uh, Gotta draw the line somewhere. What about yourself?
1: I'm gonna follow the trend of one-upping you on on ratings. I'm gonna go with 7.5 As I said, this book had a really weird feel about it Like half of it felt like I was playing like an investigation game trying to pluck out the Alpha Legionnaires Uh, and I was completely Mm. wrong which I guess was the uh, the intention of the author (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But it didn't really feel like I was reading Warhammer for a lot of it, because it's all about, you know, you got the Labyrinth, for example. Oh, yeah, there's fighting those defense turrets, but all in all, it's just this guy solving a really complex puzzle, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, What were those? There was that thing for, like, the Nintendo DS. What was it called? It's like a professor or something. Anyway, (laughs) uh, carry on.
1: Uh, and, yeah, there's all of these little moments where it, it doesn't feel we hammerish, I guess, kind of. And that that's kind of what puts me off in a way, but at the same time kind of attracts me at the same time. Uh, and it, it just feels weird. It's like it's like you're watching, as I said, like one of those noir movies, you know, where it's just mm. the, the detective going like, Oh, uh, yeah, I had my suspicions on this guy. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> Something like yeah. that, you know. I mean, we'll
0: talk about that in the spoiler section. I do, you know, I really like Gav Thorpe as an author. I read his, like, part of the Dwarf's omnibus he contributed to years ago. Um, I will say when we get into a spoiler section, I'd like to talk about, I think he pulled his punch on the Alpha Legionnaire reveal. I think there were two characters. It was clearly set up to meant to be one. And then some, I don't know, it just, like, turns out to be a character that basically had not a lot going on in the book and that sort of didn't really give you the oomph of it being one and the weight. I don't know if you agree.
1: Yeah, no, that's what I meant by uh, the the ending kind of left me, you know, not knowing what to think about it because there was nothing about the specific character you're talking about and all out of nowhere, he's this big player, you know, without Mm. any anything that would, you know, uh, look like it would be him. Like in hindsight, there's a couple signs that it could have been him, but it's nothing that, as you read, you'd have any way of knowing. Uh,
0: yeah, like it's all stuff that makes sense that he would do, but at the same time, there was nothing to suggest. I mean, it's alpha. Uh, maybe yeah, it's Gav alpha Legion, is it's <laughs> Gav Thorpe's operating on a level of meta that we're not we're not ready for, and it's just so Alpha Legion that it's. A surprise to even gav when he was writing it was, like, wow, it was just writing itself and i did not expect this uh, so yeah i i i agree with you there should we jump into what uh what our listeners had to say
1: i just want to comment on the meta real quick uh, this is actually so meta that there are literally 12 fairies in this book uh, that's how meta it is
0: that's yeah there's so many the we i mean that uh, yeah, we'll save that for legion i okay. won't give anything away but, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to hide from Varela, but there's two of them, by the way. I think he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> there's some other stuff, though. Um, right, let's jump into Thursday ratings. I was late. I dropped the ball on Thursday ratings, uh, and I put the call up, and you guys answered. So, thank you for those of you who participated a little late in the day. Uh, the Irregular drops an 8 out of 10 um, for the Alf- He says Alpha Legion surprise just as its own point, which, you know, basically sums up a lot of the book. Um, good cloak and dagger reading. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, something different has been tried here. It's not Space Marine Smash all the time. I I thought it was pretty good. Um, and you get to learn more about Korax himself and the tactics he uses. I think that's fair. I think the Raven Guard... Um, really, and I re- I replied with, the Raven Guard have really benefited from being under one author. I guess you haven't re- you haven't read the short stories yourself, really, you've just heard my half-cocked explanations of them in the short story episodes. Yeah, but
1: I'm uh, just playing a broken telephone game. <laughs> no.
0: Uh, so, for me, I've had three Raven Guard sort of pieces of literature to read now. Uh, basically, following one into another, and I think... If you look at people talking about the Horus Heresy as a whole, what they like, what they don't like, legions that get an author that basically obviously really cares about them and spends a lot of time fleshing them out uh, are enjoyed the most. So, for example, Chris, Chris Raitt and John French come to mind straight away. Chris Raitt with White Scars, which I'm really looking forward to because I've only heard good things. John French, obviously, the impenetrable fists. Um, really liked his opening work. Which was the Crimson Fist, all about the Battle of Fowl, which we did as a not sh- not so short story episode, uh, yeah. And then legions that have lots of different authors, like the Dark Angels, sometimes suffer in the ratings a little bit. Uh, Leaky cheese. It was just broke yesterday. Broke a very interesting story about a Forge World faux pas. Oh uh, well, among other people, um, talked about a Forge World faux pas where someone ordered Malakas for Twisted and. Got a completely new model, most likely a Sons of Horus Praetor, which is kind of interesting. So thank you for taking time away from your investigative journalism to drop a rating. He says it gets a 10 rooks out of 10 murders. So that's all crow references, if you didn't know. Did you know that in the UK, um, like multiple crows are called a murder?
1: I did know that. I don't know what the rook is in relation to a, to a crow, though. Rook
0: is, a, is like a raven thing oh okay There's a it's beard references um, and he says purely for number one the description of you know special rooms at, at the palace I mean I think me and you both you as a venerable sigilite and myself as just someone who enjoys the emperor and the custodies um, I don't know I really appreciated the sort of another look in behind the curtain at the imperial palace and other secret facilities um, all very interesting I don't know about you
1: uh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, finding out stuff that, you know, nobody could know before, uh, before the books came out is always interesting, and, uh, the special rooms he's talking about are especially interesting. Uh, mainly considering there's a, a couple extra.
0: Mm. A couple of spares. Yeah. Um, for... That's something we should talk about, actually, in the spoiler section, because it's kind of interesting where that... where those spare tanks come up in the timeline and where they disappear. Um he also said number two for the super and i mean proper top-notch sneakiness of the alpha legion very very naughty but one can't help can't help but admire operators like that at work yeah i i think that was really um cool to see sort of how alpha legion operated from their point of view in a sort of like intelligence finding operation and what they go through um John Oates gives it a 6 or 7 not bad, pretty average uh, sort of fits in with where we're at here um, some stuff that really stood out, some stuff that could have been a little bit better uh, PQ27 drops uh, an 8.5 saying, really decent book loved the whole infiltration by the Alpha Legion everyone just likes the Alpha Legion everyone likes every, like. Uh, there was one mention about Korax from the Irregular at the start and everyone else is just talking about the Imperial Palace and the Alpha Legion poor raven guard they can't catch a break um zavrodox 86 apologies if i butchered your name uh drops a 7 out of 10 i wanted to love it but didn't really it didn't really show anything that unique about the raven guard plus it made their enemies cooler than them in their own book uh the books about koraks are much better that's something to look forward to going forward learn a bit more about the uh flyboy himself uh yeah I mean literally what we were just saying right the alpha legion seemed to have outshone the raven guard in this book yeah yeah that'll just make you look forward to legion more so in a way galfolk you've done your job mate because we're just getting us more hyped for looking at alpha legion stuff uh, The Iron uh, or at unrepentant 76 I'll go with your app, mate because I always butcher your name um drops an 8.2 uh good book with some great lore reveals and an excellent cameo from the Alpha Legion a little bit more than a cameo really wasn't it Uh, may have suffered from having to stick to some pre-existing lore points but a thoroughly enjoyable novel just not the best of the Legion books Uh, yeah I mean Legion is by Dan Abnett for Ella, need I say more
1: Uh, (laughs) I guess not there you
0: go it's very good you'll probably give it a 10 uh,
1: oh no <laughs> uh,
0: Sam Kearns drops a solid 7 lots to appreciate um, about Deliverance Lost Korax is great the paradigm around Deliverance is cool as are the Alpha Legions mucking about and the Adventures on Terror but the finale of the novel kind of blurs it for me It's so, yeah, that's crazy have you read these <laughs> before you started the episode because they're so like you're all cut from the same cloth at the moment with how you felt.
1: Uh, I I didn't read these now. Um, I, re- I read like one of them. I think I read Leaky's one because it's the first one that shows up for me, and I didn't really read any any others.
0: You just Google. You're too busy Googling what a rook is.
1: <laughs> you know what? I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do it right now.
0: What? I think it's also another term for. A it's a term for a bishop as well, isn't it, on a chessboard.
1: Uh, it's not a bishop, it's a, oh, it's oh, it's a castle piece. Yeah. The
0: castle, yeah, the rook. Duh. It's been a long time since I played chess. While Varela's re- doing that, I'll round up with uh, with Nick. Nick drops a 9 out of 10. Uh, this book was damn near everything I want out of a Horus Heresy book. <whistles> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Battle, intrigue, Primarch lore, legion history, and glimpses into the Emperor's past. True. Loved the Imperial Fist Mark Six storyline the creation of the raptors and the alpha legion doing what they do best yeah I appre- I do appreciate some good armour mark talk um, I can't believe the imperial fist brought mark 6 rather than mark 2 to be honest I mean if they'd brought the raven guard more mark 2 maybe the raven guard wouldn't have had any problems down the line um, but yeah no I found that really interesting as well how we went into some detail about the armour mark which is uh, mark 6 obviously iconic uh, for the Raven Guard, the Beaky Boys. Uh, and that brings together all the uh, people who came to my aid for the late Thursday ratings as it stands. Um, now, Varela, have you found out what a rook is?
1: Uh, I have. It's apparently just straight up a species of crow. Oh, well, there uh, you go. It's a, it's a Eurasian crow, so just Europe and Asia.
0: <laughs> yeah. We had a TV show when I was growing up called Raven which was a excellent show, it was all like a sort of fantasy setting where like the host was like a mystical guy who could turn into a raven uh, and it was like kids on the show like had to do like challenges and stuff and then, and then at the end they got put through this like medieval total wipeout course and there's like these grown men dressed up in like scary robes trying to knock them off with like foam punching, like foam fists and stuff which I, <laughs> it's an entertaining That's, watch, but that, that sounds now, so weird. Uh, I mean, it's a really good show. UK people, help me out. Tell me you watch. Tell me if you watched Raven, and what did you rate it?
1: <laughs> a bunch of grown men beating child children up with fucking foam stuff, trying to knock them off a course. I I don't know, man.
0: I uh, I mean, I think the kids liked it. No. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> uh, no one ever won. No one ever won. I never remember ever watching and seeing like anyone make it to the end. These so these guys, whose job it was to knock the kids off, the course, professionals.
1: They, they took it seriously. Nobody's getting past me. <laughs>
0: yeah, Can you imagine the behind the scenes just instantly they're all like high fiving. They're like come on, like air pumping, like they've just won the Euros.
1: There, there's one guy that's actually filled the inside of the foam thing, so it looks like it's foam on the outside, but it's not inside. <laughs> Kicking oh, the like shit a... out of the
0: kids. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I condone, I condone this message. Um, I should, right, let's get on with the spoiler section before you say something stupid. Um, <laughs> so, I well, I tell you what, for that you can give us a spoiler warning. Ah,
1: uh, alright. <coughs> Spoilers.
0: Okay, so should we just jump straight into some of the coolest moments of this book?
1: Uh, coolest because... moments of the book. You you want to just like list them
0: out yeah. uh i mean the coolest moment for me which facts obviously if you don't know i say when i say read i have audiobooks because uh having a professional do all my imagining for me is much easier and much cooler the moment where the alpha legion at the end of a book i'm going right to the end when the three alpha legionnaires are like Ha, i'm time to escape from this Uh, is it Agapito or Bran? It's Agapito, right?
1: Yeah, Agapito.
0: Agapito. Uh, And they turn around, and they're like, wait, why is Jewel of the Fates from the Phantom Menace playing? And they turn (laughs) around, and there's just a squad of custodies in between them and the gate. Oh, man, that was such a cool moment. And they just kill themselves. They're just like, well, I can't get through that. And they just off themselves instantly. Well, not instantly, but you know. Oh come on, brother! Tell me you didn't crack a smile at that moment. No, nah, it was pretty champions. good.
1: I kind of, I kind of didn't like the fact that the guy that actually did everything right gets killed by his fu- by his teammates because he apparently is a fool. Like, the guy's the only one that didn't get detected. Come on now, what the heck? Oh, no, but
0: he started talk. He's about to drop. He was about to drop the big fact bomb that Omegon was on Deliverance.
1: Well, yeah, uh, but you know they probably so- already knew uh, that there were more Alpha Legionnaires all around the place. You know. It's not like that would be news through, um, to Agapito but, uh, and the Custodians.
0: But a Primarch themselves, that would have been
1: I mean, brought
0: to Korax's attention.
1: Would, would uh, Alfarius saying that Omegon had plans, which I think was what he was about to say, really tell the Raven Guard that Omegon was on deliverance?
0: I don't know, man. Clearly the Alpha Legion just don't tolerate any anything. It's just like any sign that you might give something up you know you uh <sniffs> good night mate because uh don't have time for this I I mean that's just how the Alpha Legion operate through all the books they're clinical they're I mean without giving Legion away it's like they all take the name Alfarius because it's just sort of like limit your own identity so your will to live is minimised for the mission basically and then it's like uh, you know there's many more Alphariuses, so I can die, and another one will just take my place. Because uh, Alpha Legion's whole thing is actually the Hydra, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's so, like the Legion symbol and all.
0: So it's like cut off one Alpharius, 10 another Alpharius come back. will
1: grow in its place.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, man, that was such a cool like, Darth Maul moment when those custodies and the, the the fact that the Space Marines are just like, they don't even try and fight anyone. 'Cause they're like they know that the custodies could just capture the the spade, these Alpha Legionnaires if they wanted to without really much effort. They would probably just use brute force. So that was really cool. Have you you hit me up with a cool your coolest moment apart from that? Which the was
1: coolest moment.
0: For you. Yeah, uh, like your standout moment of a book.
1: Probably when the Titans showed up out of nowhere. Like there was that Imperator dropped on a city and then two war hounds rushing towards Ravendel just lighting the turrets up.
0: Yeah. That was, that pretty was um, cool. It was cool but it was like
1: it was a fleeting moment it was just like a a scene you know but I still found it really cool
0: I yeah and I don't know maybe this was I mean this came out in 2011 I don't know I uh, 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 to throw an Imperator in there what a cool Titan it's like but that thing that Titans always carried a lot of weight so just to drop it in there give like two par like a, a paragraph and a half on it through the whole novel and then just have the situation resolve itself is kind of like, wow. I mean, that's a big deal to drop a Imperator in your book.
1: I mean, they didn't just uh, end the situation right there. It's uh, they, they called in an entire Legio just to deal with those three Titans.
0: That's right, yeah. Um, but I didn't really come out of the book feeling like the, the
1: no, Titan yeah, the, War had the, really done its due. The resolution of the battle was one of the reasons why I came out of the novel not really feeling anything you know it was like huh i guess that happened uh but yeah yeah, i I thought i thought the moment it dropped like they're just chilling they're like oh yeah we're gonna get to cut down a bunch of dumbass humans right uh and then in the distance they just hear like this massive warhorn and they just look further out and there's just this imperator tearing the city apart you know and two warhounds rushing towards them
0: just to confirm,
1: I think these titans <laughs> were uh, Order of the Dragon Titans. Because C- okay. uh, the Warhounds came from where it came, I think. And, you know, they were rushing Raven Delve and the titan was destroying the city. So I don't think the Legio yeah. had even been notified yet. Like the Legio on. Uh, I don't know if. It, where was the Legio? Was it on Kiavar or was it on uh, Deliverance? That's another thing that I don't know. Where did it come from? You know?
0: Yeah, the, I might have just switched off a little bit. Uh when I was listening to it maybe I was distracted for a little while. But that that whole the sort the whole conflict outside of Delft was just really mudded for me. I didn't really know what was going on.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I paid attention to it and even I don't really know what was going on. I just thought, thought it was a really cool scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean if that's your intention is to sort of give a chaotic situation where no one on Raven in Ravendelve knows what's going on. I mean that's the Alpha Legion's whole thing is just basically stir up as much Uh, chaos, no pun intended, uh, to confuse your enemy and then you go off and you stab them in the back while they're busy looking at the big explosion.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's why cool guys don't look at explosions. That's right, because the Alpha Legion (laughs) are coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a life lesson for you. You, If you stare at the explosion, it's on you if the Alpha Legion come and stab you up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, that was a very cool moment for me. The... I wouldn't really call it cool but a big moment for me when the when the raptors turned I was like, I mean, I kind of knew it was coming unfortunately that bit of lore I I was aware of coming into this but it was um, it was still a bit ominous nonetheless to sort of hear they're like sort of doing this minor skirmish and then they start pulling back and everyone starts dropping like flies uh, and you realise how easily the, it's what you know do I say? Do I declare that Deliverance Lost is actually an Alpha Legion book? I don't really want to be just disrespectful to anyone, but for me it kind of is, right? <coughs> and it seems to be what everyone on Twitter is saying. You know, it's kind of, this idea that the Alpha Legion, without too much effort at all, have basically destroyed everything that the Raven Guard were working towards. I mean, um, I,
1: I think all in all, it's a fifty-fifty split, ain't it? It's just that um, the Alpha Legion moments are a lot more standout, but if you really look into it, they're not as many, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause like there, there's a whole origin story, uh, for the um Raven Guard, uh, mainly the um the Deliverance uh, part of it, it, it like kind of hidden in there, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's
0: like a, there's like a Korax flashback, like a whole yeah, uh, sort of right, Yeah, that was good. That was good as well. But you know, it's like how. One of the few Raven Guard point of views outside of Korax we get is an Alpha Legionnaire disguised as a Raven Guard, and it's all like he actually has to snap out of it a little bit towards the end because he's like, through the course of the book we see him become more and more accustomed to being a Raven Guard uh, Legionnaire, and then sort of towards the end it's kind of like, got to remember who I am. I'm Alpharius. and uh, and then he gets to it. So, you know, you, I would say almost... For me, it was like a 75% Alpha Legion book. Uh, but I re- I liked the origin story. The whole uh, Korax just clawing his ass out of a cave. Just like, hello. And then instantly knowing how to break someone's neck.
1: <laughs> yeah. When, uh,
0: when the guards decided he's not happy with him. That was... Uh, I mean, these books always do well, I should mention as well. These books always do well... Um to sort of give some humanization. And I think if I was to like list off what makes a Horus Heresy so great, is it grounds all the stereotypes. 40k is good, but it's crazy, right? 40k is great. But like what they've done with Horus Heresy is they've basically grounded everything into not reality, obviously, but believable situations and changed the stereotype slightly. So Obviously, Korax basically just never wins in a way. Even his victories are like at great costs or both in manpower or or resources. So it kind of feels like he's being broken down more and more. And we may see him just snap at some point later on in the heresy. I don't know how you feel about it.
1: Uh, I mean, you kept saying that um, during the Scent of, um, of Angels and Fallen Angels that the lion was the one that was getting, you know, bamboozled. But during the course of this book, it's you can see that the lion didn't get bamboozled almost at all. <laughs> like compared yeah, to yeah. someone like Korax, you know, where, where the some... alpha he wasn't
0: fighting the alpha legion, though. It's not fair to try and uh, have you can't really compare someone's wit against themselves. I, I to mean, against the alpha legion, come
1: on, me. man. I, I mean, no, still... you're right,
0: you're right. I mean. There's, there's a series of events that have to happen for the loyalists to be put on the back foot continually because as we see uh, the Raven Guards not a sort of, not necessarily a strength in numbers legion their type of warfare allows for them to operate in smaller units they sort of work well at it you know, they're, they're actually and uh, we get to see that someone on Thursday ratings said we get to see their style of warfare and they're basically like world eaters in a way, but they withdraw when it's sensible and then they come again and they come again. Whereas the world eaters just attack until something well, happens for better or worse.
1: I'd say the difference is that, um, they're not really like world leaders in the sense that the world eaters just form a line and run forward and the Raven guard form a spear, break through and then run, run away, you know? Uh, yeah.
0: So keep chipping away at people rather yeah. than, yeah. So it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't really know what my original point was, but what I'm running with here is essentially, um, oh yeah, so continual bads Istvan was not like enough to kill off a Raven Guard. I sound like I'm Korax giving a motivational speech here. <laughs> but, you know, the Raven Guard get like what, like a thousand people off, there's like 1,500 Raven Guard Legionnaires left total that's still like a force that when put in the right place can do a lot of damage and sort of that's what they start building up towards um, with their practice missions obviously the Raptors first mission and then the attack on the Perfect Fortress is all looking from a tactical standpoint how can the Raven Guard still operate within the the war because Korak straight away is like we are not we're not just gonna sit on deliverance and wait for reinforcements we've got we've got to go out there and fight um so yeah obviously bad stuff had to happen in this book Korax did have to get bamboozled uh, just over so raven just over so loyalists lose <laughs> a little towards towards the start of a heresy because this is still early doors heresy really um but I yeah I think Korax actually remains quite strong I think his character is really well written it's some obviously again Gab someone that's sort of written Korax from the start of the heresy at least sort of chronologically as I've read it he's got him you've got him on you know the drop site you've got him being picked up in space you've got him here and then we've got other short stories and then we've got a big anthology that's not is really sort of like an anthology but also kind of a novel uh, much later on all about how the Raven Guard are doing big hit-and-run attacks So I think, I don't know how you feel, but I think for me, Korax is actually pretty well written. He's not some mopey guy. As a kid, he's very, actually quite kind and curious. He's not, like, he's kind of, he looks like Kurz, but he's, like, actually sort of polar opposites, attitude-wise, to what Kurz is.
1: No, yeah, he's he's essentially a Kurz that didn't have just a twisted sense of justice, you know? He just went like, ah, these people are, you know imprisoned uh, they, they might have done something wrong but you know they don't deserve to be used as slave labor let's get them out of here you know yeah well curse would probably just go on a killings spree in the in the prison he'd go like hmm they have committed crime i must kill you know exactly
0: well some of these people you got to remember as well are uh,
1: they're just born there
0: it's born there. yeah i think that's kind of where they're at at this point most, most people there uh have just been born into it and are serving the Seven, you know sins of a father sort of thing yeah the, so, yeah. the, the
1: first people that uh Korax meets that are actually children and like a couple mm. one or two adults uh that's but right it's just a, bu- a bunch of children so yeah is does
0: she stick does she stick around the girly meets is oh she... i I, th-
1: I thought so but i think that one dies like the first the first one they meet like that, he meets. I think she dies, and then she also meets Ephrenia which is that controller. Uh, I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure if the first girl is the controller or whether it's the second girl that's the controller. But I think the first one dies. One of them dies, and they're both his friends. I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, that part's a little bit murky.
0: There's some characters later on in the Heresy that basically, uh, the Primarchs knew when they first arrived on the worlds, but that can be. That's like at minimum, I think, is like two hundred years. Is it like the Great Crusade's been going on for two hundred years?
1: Uh, yeah, I think That's so. The Star of a
0: Heresy. Yeah. So, but like imperial technology, plastic surgery, man, facelifts, keeping people alive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the pulling of the punch with the Alpha Legion, because through the book we have Bran and Agapito who as you'd already read but I still touched on when we did um, the short story last week mm-hmm. was that they're real brothers. Yeah. And through the course of the book it becomes more and more likely that one of them most likely Agapito is uh and is an alpha is because we also have hints from the alpha legion now we get the pov of that he is probably not working alone but he is kind of working alone so he, he reckons there are other agents in the raven guard but obviously because the alpha legion the alpha legion he wouldn't know where they who those people are for obviously for security's sake so if he's captured or tortured he can't give them up and the agapito his comm unit is being used basically for the underground transmissions that are going to the Alpha Legion, the sort of scrambled communication and uh, Bran sort of discovers this, tries to confront him nothing really comes of it gives him the benefit of a doubt a couple of times and then it turns out he's gone down to Raven Delve and he's been communicating through the secret channel again so Bran's like I'm off to confront him and you think you're going to get this big brotherly, brotherly confrontation and I was thinking okay maybe the twist is going to be that Bran was the Alpha Legionnaire all along. Or Agapito is, and then you have the com either way, you have the conflict now that someone thought that they were basically with their real brother the whole time and it didn't they weren't. They're were an Alpha Legionnaire with their brother's face stitched over theirs. Um, which would have been insane and would have led to a very cool confrontation. But no, it turns out that it's the Raven Guards conveniently placed other captain commander, sorry, Solero. Who t- who basically has like I don't know Varela, like maybe like five lines of dialogue.
1: Yeah, like he's got like book. about I don't know about seven mentions of the whole book.
0: <laughs> and then turns up and is like I'm an alpha legioner. <laughs> it's like did you watch the Star Wars sequel trilogy?
1: Uh no, I only watched the first movie and I'm gonna be honest, uh, I didn't like it, so I stopped. It, uh, it was like how in
0: it was like how in the last one they were like we have a spy. Uh, and it turned, and then it was this like minor imperial character who was basically a joke for the first two of the trilogy, and he literally announces himself by saying, "I'm the spy," and then shooting some people, and it was
1: while uh, Luigi a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, and that was kind of how Solero's reveal felt. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting like Game of Thrones or anything in terms of twists, but I just felt like there was going to be. Some um, I I thought personally, I thought Bran was gonna go down there and kill kill Agapito under the guise that Agapito was a traitor, but then obviously at the end of the book they reveal that they're gonna do was it like gene testing, like gene code testing, yeah, to check who's got you know Raven Guard, and then there would have been another finale where Bran's like bother and and as to and then he tries and escapes on his own because he realizes he's actually still going to get detected because of his gene coding so i felt like there was still room for a couple of twists and turns but then this Solero guy gets gets to be the uh, to be the villain uh, did you have it did you have any theories as uh, the book was building
1: no i just i, I don't really again i did have that noir kind of feel about it where i was trying to check out who it was uh, and there's this one guy that lets slip a line at one point in the book, and I'm like, hmm, maybe that's an Alpha Legionnaire, but that was really about all that I thought, other than the obvious that, you know, it might be Agapito, because I wasn't really thinking about that, but y- you said that there were no uh, Game of Thrones moments in this, but I-, I think there was at least one where it's like, came out of nowhere, and it's right at that point in the story as well, came out of nowhere, was really dramatic, and then nothing really happened of it which is Bran went like, ah, I'm going to Raven Delve. and then somewhere in the journey he goes like, you know what, I'm not going to Raven Delve. I'm going to the Avenger and I'm going to arm some cyclonic torpedoes and point him at Raven Delve. you know? It was like, yeah. just out of nowhere, like, oh, oh god, how'd that happen?
0: That was a weird one. Yeah. I, did, I didn't actually, I kind of forgot that he didn't actually ever make it down there. <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, that that could have also... Been something, because it could have been like it could have been like a three-way standoff then, couldn't it? It could have been like the Alpha Legionnaires still sort of undercover, Agapito, and then Brand, kind of like those moments you see in films where it's like a clone or a lookalike or something. It's like it's him, no, it's him, you know, kind of those that sort of standoff, and then the Custodies come in and just, like, just
1: kill them all.
0: Kill. Them all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Custodies. Um,
1: They're like enough of your bickering off your heads.
0: Someone hears an Alpha Legionnaire and I don't have time to find out who. <laughs> exactly.
1: <and laughs> Might as well just kill them Power all. Glaive.
0: Yeah. So, it, that was like the main disappointment for me was just the sort of, the pulling of a punch on the, who was the uh, imposter. The, I mean, we also, you know, I spoke a little bit how I wanted to talk about Mark Six armor. Uh, how how aware are you of your armor marks, Varela? Uh, which ones the best?
1: Which one's the best?
0: There's only one uh, right answer.
1: I, I I don't know. Uh, it's I, I know that Mark Tweet. Six is essentially a, mar- a better Mark Four. I know that Mark Five is essentially just a bunch of former marks bunched together with some the charity shop. Yeah, charity With, shop with mark. some yes. pins on it to make it pretty, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know that Mark Two is kind of garbage. <laughs> And I know that Mark Uh, Mark 3 And I know that Mark 3 is just an upgraded Mark 2 And there you go (laughs)
0: Friendship ended I guess
1: Mark 6, Mark 6 rules supreme (laughs) Uh Well Isn't Mark 2 just like the Thunder Warrior Armor but like A little bit more protected
0: I mean it's the first powered armor Yeah It's kind of like war economy you know They only made more marks because They needed to Otherwise, lots of people would lose their jobs on Mars. I, for me, you could have just made Mark II forever. Mark, you know, you got to remember... Basically, everyone... So, you're right. Mark III was... The original fluff was that it was for fighting on the squat worlds. If you know what squat are. Yeah. The space dwarves. like, fighting underground against those guys. Um, Mark IV. So, who has Mark IV? Basically... I think they talk about it a little bit in Mechanicum, is basically Horus diverts all the streams of supply to the legions he know will side with him. So some of some of, like a lot of the sons of Horus have Mark IV uh, by like Istvan Five, but Istvan, like basically everyone on Istvan Three should be wearing Mark II um, the Ultramarines make their own Mark IV because why not, you know the of boys course in they blue do what they want do what they want they make a slightly better version of mark 4 make sure and mark... every
1: distinctive trait of the the armor is gone so they can be boring
0: <laughs> and then mark 5 is kind of i think it's actually mainly i'm not sure who mainly wears it correct me if i'm wrong folks but i think it's something that the traitors start to use a lot more towards the end of i mean you know this is all about the miniatures at the end of the day. So if you want to paint Mark V Ultramarines or Mark V Imperial Fists, you know, there's a Mark V Imperial Fist been spotted somewhere on in a certain box set that no <laughs> one wants to talk about. But uh, Mark V is, in the lore, is primarily used by the traitors as, as the loyalists recover, you know, forge worlds and the chain of supply runs out when Mars is blockaded. Yeah, um, I, I
1: think at this point it's a shattered legion. So we only really know about one of them. We only really know about the Raven Guard. And it's, uh, like, it, it, the Mark V pattern, like, was only recognized because of the Raven Guard, because they were just using random tidbits of everything, and they had to improvise. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah. I think it's talked about on in this book, in Deliverance Lost. They go like, oh, yeah, we got a bunch of Mark Six for you. And Bran goes like, oh, yeah, where's the Mark five? And they're like, yeah, you're wearing it right now. <laughs>
0: I'll do it. Uh, okay. No, no, I think... um. I think, uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I actually missed that tidbit, so thank you for telling me that, because that that's interesting. I got you. Because uh, I think the idea was, and they say in the book, don't they, that the Raven Guard ran uh, es- essentially Mark Six as they were one of the trial users. I think it was very specifically given to them who loved it, and it was given to the Iron Warriors who were like, what is this, there's no medieval face grill on the front so return and they go back like an angry Karen back to the uh, armour shop on Mars and they're like, I'd like to return this please it's not, uh, it's not cumbersome enough, it's too, uh, too easy to move in and uh, so yeah, the Raven Guard I think in a, almost what they're, they're asking about Mark V is it's kind of like uh, why did they skip Windows 9 which they did, right? Yeah. They, they did skip Windows and it's kinda like so so basically Mark V you know, if you were to make a genuine Mark V set, I don't think it would if like Games Workshop made Mark V as it's meant as it's represented in the books, it'd be like some people would have like Mark Two helmets, some people would have Mark Four. It it wouldn't be uniform necessarily. Yeah. In fact there there is one model called The Master of Signals, which I think was made uh for the first ever Horace Heresy book, which was all about Istvan three so it's an it's a, it, and it's displayed as an empress children model basically as like an empress children loyalist who has had so many he's had to just pull armor off anyone he can spare because of a, as as the battle prolongs and parts break down or a shot up or so he's got like a mark three leg and a mark two helmet and whatever so yeah it was kind
1: what, of what singer's saying here is if you want to make mark 5 marines just dive into a bit box that only has armor <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and just come out with whatever you got.
0: Just take all your Horus Heresy Marines so far, and without trying to seem rude, just like smash them with a hammer, and then like mush all the bits together. Or you can break them apart gently, whatever you want to do. And then you mix them all together. You just start pulling random bits out and gluing them back together into models. And there you go. That's how you make Mark V legit. <laughs> uh, Mark VI, yeah. Mark VI, obviously. Again, talking about a certain box set someone took a picture of with a Nokia brick. Why is it always with a Nokia brick? I don't Where, know, you know, man. Like, they're just terrible. Everyone and their mum's got like a like a 4K camera in their phones. Why are, Why is it always these leaks coming? Like, like It's like when your internet starts giving out and YouTube drops to 240p. It's just they got
1: shaky hands, man. You know they're they're nervous that they're leaking something. You know, so they got shaky hands. (laughs) So
0: that image resolution drops. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So obviously Mark Six is in the box. Is all what the new box set is about. Um, That's gonna be the. I mean, not to talk too much about non uh, book stuff, but it looks like the Horus Heresy is about to get towards the end of this year is going to get a massive overhaul new rules basically making it horus heresy 2.0 hashtag believe in 2.0 um new books new starter set which is all primarily looks like a great starter set and it's a lot of these sort of new large scale and they're going to be in mark six so it kind of feels proper to talk about it uh given that we're covering the raven guard if you like what you've heard about the raven guard Uh, The little that they've been talked about in this podcast compared to the Alpha (laughs) Legion, Um, then Mark Six. I mean, Alpha Legion wear a lot of Mark Six as well. I think they steal a load off the Raven Guard. I think that's the law. Is a You know, Omegon probably took a load of suits on his way out. Maybe. Uh, So if you're looking to when that box set comes out, if you want to make a Raven Guard army or something, those guys look very cool. Mark Six is also, ironically. Varela, I don't know if you know your history, but Mark VI is like the first look Space Marines ever had when Rogue Trader came out. They, all, they were all beakies.
1: I, I did um, not know that.
0: So that is why people are raving about this box set, because it's basically going to allow everyone to go back to their roots and have like cool Rogue Trader style Marines, if they want to paint them like that, which would be cool to see. Um, but yeah, they get, they get some cool Mark VI. I mean, we get some cool Imperial Fists. I don't know what Mark the Imperial Fists are wearing, mind. I don't know why an Imperial Fist would wear anything except Mark III.
1: Yeah, that's probably what they're all wearing.
0: Basically, it basically turns you into a wall. Basically, turns you into a brick, and then you all come together with your mates and you make a wall basically out of yourself. You yourselves. get some
1: sh- extra shields. You just take plate armor off some 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 of the Mark III, and you just use that as a shield as well. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, I mean, they get a little cameo. I think they're part of the attack on the Perfect Fortress. Is that right? Yeah,
1: because uh, Noris never goes back to Terry. He's like, ah, you know then nobody will ever notice that 150 Imperial Fists are gone from Terra. And I kind of want to beat some traitor ass as well, so...
0: It's like, um... It's like if someone's come to drop something off at your house, like a mate, or a family member, and you're like, eh, hey. kettle's just boiled, if you fancy a cupper." and you like, look at his watch, he's like, oh, I got five minutes. You know, cut to several months later, and you're drop-potting in on a Emperor's, uh, Emperor's Children's, uh, fortress with the boys. Um, and basically, aren't haven't been in, in any contact with your old legion. That's basically what happens to these guys, right?
1: Yeah, it's like it's like um, a football fan, right? Delivery pizza man, right? He walks up to your house and you're watching the game on TV, and he's just like peeking over your shoulder, going like, "Oh shit, who's winning, bro?" And then he yeah. just stays for the whole game.
0: <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I'll just clock off now." Yeah.
1: yeah. Can, can I join you? Oh, we'll, we'll we'll share a slice. You know, I'll pay some of it. <laughs>
0: Okay. <laughs> just gives you some of the money back Yeah. keeps his tip though he's like no that's for me <laughs> uh, yeah so that was that was kind of cool I, I always like a sort of little bit of side legion action in a book but uh, yeah is there any other I mean obviously they have a trip to the Imperial Palace we, we, we've done this episode back to front I love it um, they go to the Imperial Palace very early on and they get the uh, they get the location for the Primarch Labs have some pretty lit security was there anything in particular i mean i've actually seen that primer we've seen that room at least i have i've seen that written or talked about in about four or five of the heresy books now people keep seeing it it's a very important room uh yeah we even get a magnus
1: is... flashback don't we uh
0: and... a, do you get a magnus flashback yeah, yeah, maybe yeah and a thousand suns because
1: remember. he, he, he remembers this time in the um on the pod you know and before so, they go pod racing <laughs> yeah like he just looks out the window and he sees his face and it's like the emperor and he's like ooh fun who
0: that? <laughs> he very gold uh, I'm gonna uh,
1: a ruin this man's whole career
0: yeah that's <laughs> the em- cut to the emperor I'm never gonna financially recover from this <laughs> uh, yeah so we've seen it we've seen that room in False Gods it's just Graham McNeil just loves writing about that room doesn't he so it's False Gods uh, Thousand Sons I've seen it in another novel I'm going to spoil it because it's from a very interesting POV um, and this so far off the top of my head um, so I mean I don't think we learn anything particularly new we get a little obviously without, you know, without reciting the book we get some extra detail on kind of how the place works how the gene code works was there anything was there anything apart from that that sort of stood out for you
1: uh oh uh he mentions that the there's 20 pods still and that that begs the question were omegon and alpharius in the same pod
0: yeah that's right uh is that in that is referenced in false gods maybe well one of the two that we've done so far 100 percent. they talk about how there are twins in one of the tanks
1: yeah, they, they, they never count for Omagon though. Let's be real. Like, the, the rooms in the palace, there's only 20 of them. Like, they, they, are they going to have to share a bunk room beds. for the rest of they their got lives? they bunk beds. Yeah. Got bunks. <laughs> like, well, um, what's up with that?
0: <laughs> I just realized that. It does say, I swear it says somewhere that they're in the same pod. So that's a, it's not really, it's a change in lore because, uh, okay, spoilers real quick for the Alfarious Primark book, which has, like, some major stuff in it. Rather, uh, do we even do it?
1: I I don't know, man. I, I was about okay, to I was abort, about to do abort, I was about to do some abort, spoilers as well, and I I just I don't know.
0: I bought I I've hit the big red button. L- little birdie. The missile is no longer launching.
1: Little birdie tells me that only one of them went over to um, one, only one of them got got whisked away. So if they're in the same yeah. pod, how does that work?
0: The other one was out smoke break. He's having a cigarette. And he's like, I gotta take a break from being a baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> gotta lead a legion <laughs>
0: um yeah I mean also the lost primarchs I mean a quick opinion on the lost primarchs as we sort of come towards the tail end of the episode um because we learn that I don't know I, I mean it's kind of hard to tell I think there's probably been some shifting in the timeline um but basically they're dead by the time we get to But by the time the emperor gets to Korax. Um, I don't know what order the Primarchs are found in.
1: Uh, I think it's actually talked about in this book, isn't it? They, they like, give a... give an order. Like, because, uh, uh no, they, they, just, they, they mentioned they that just say... is, is the last one to be found, and they just go, like, ah, oh, yeah, uh, it's in this order. Corvus was somewhere in the middle, and so on and so forth, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, uh, no, is Korax. Well, uh... According to Alexa Carnum, it was Korax, then one of the Lost Primarchs, then Alfarius. Um hmm. I think it's I think the Lost Primarchs and who knows about them and who doesn't is just one of those that so many people it's referenced so many times that it's probably at some point changed who knew about them, who was alive, who helped with them, whatever. A question to you though. Should they should we learn anything about them?
1: I mean, we already know everything about one of them, let's be, let's be real. Sigmar, Sigmar is a Primark, right?
0: <laughs>
1: um, uh, no, I'm joking, but um, should if we you'd learn... If you
0: backed Mark II, I would have backed you on this, <laughs> but unfortunately you don't like Mark II, so... Yeah, should we learn you know.
1: something about them? I I guess? We, we know the initial part of one of their names. Uh, Do we? Yes, but this is a spoiler for another novel that I haven't even read yet. Uh, Which novel? But I I don't know what the novel is. I'm just a wiki okay. a wiki dweller, and I, I know I know about it. Uh, where Horus um, is in a meeting. I'm I'm not sure if. Hold up, I'm thinking. Um,
0: yeah, that means he's googling. By the way. No, I'm I'm not
1: googling. I'm not googling legitimately. Um, Horus is Horus is in a meeting with a bunch of Primarchs and Malkador. And that like Malkador and Horus get heated. And Malkador is a... Not Malkador. uh, Horus is about to, uh... He makes an insinuation, like, Oh, are you gonna do the same thing that you did too? And then he starts to say a name. And Malkador just goes sicko mode on him. Uh, with his psychic powers. And, like, almost kills him, essentially. Uh, like, saying, Uh, Oh, don't say that name. Um. Can can, can I say what the beginning of the name was? Or or do you think Um, that's a bit much of a spoiler?
0: I don't... I don't know, uh... Okay, so it's from, I have done some googling, it's from the short story The Last Council. as a great crusade comes to a close. Uh, Oh, so it's about the founding of the Council of Terror. Uh, Go on, Um, why not? It's only a short story.
1: Uh, If I remember correctly, the three letters that he gets out are M-A-L, so I'm like, ...90% ...90% sure that at least one of the Lost Primarchs... ...was actually named after Malkador himself. Uh, and that's why he gets... like That's why Horus uses that one specifically... ...and that's why Malkador just loses his temper. Because it's like... Oh yeah, the guy that was dedicated to me... Um, ...you know... Failed. Failed, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, there's, again... ...as you got to remember with... ...anything Games Workshop and their lore... Stories are all brilliant. Ultimately it's about the miniatures. I think the reason they've been left there from a miniature standpoint is so uh, and a lot of people like to do this in the Horus Heresy, it gives people an avenue to do the Lost Legions and basically homebrew a Legion. Um, Like you, you would homebrew a Space Marine chapter. So I think from someone, if someone's purely interested in the books, it'd make a cool story, but at the same time it's kind of like the ending of Game of Thrones. To bring that up again is: can you deliver something worthwhile in that? Now, would 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 there be something? Would there be a story that would deliver that umph after everything the Horus Heresy has had? That sort of that is sort of a question I, I, for the writers, really, isn't it? I think the only that thing
1: that could really do anything about it is if one of them like got lost in the warp or some stuff during some years, right? Uh and he found a, he found out about Chaos like on his own and just kinda Maybe didn't even fall to it. Maybe the Emperor just went like, oh yeah, I don't I don't want anyone to know about Chaos and, you know, just, just kill them. I think that would be pretty impactful. It would definitely send the Emperor in a new direction. I uh, think
0: the the way there's a lack of education though. Personally, for me, they, they might not even know. No one might know. They've just sort of... The, the briefing to the writers would just be, be vague and mysterious about the Lost Primarchs. But what you can kind of see, if if they've said, okay, well, when we're being vague and mysterious, how, how do we make it sound? It kind of feels like maybe it was more of like a genetics thing. I think maybe the Primarchs just sort of went mad of their own accord i don't think there was anything to do with warp fuckery just yet it was kind of uh, if if some if something the things that went wrong with, i reckon were either the two of them went mad together or one meant mad after the other and we don't even know if it was the same event do we
1: no yeah we don't although considering the like window of opportunity for it to happen being ridiculously small i I think one influenced the other at least
0: yeah uh yeah i think some youtubers have done a video i think there was a certain like compliance or bat you know war on a certain planet which was causing huge casualties and one of the lost legions was involved in that alongside the dark angels and the dark angels were losing like tens of thousands of marines um and then, sort of, shortly after that is supposedly when he went cuckoo, or whatever happened, happened. Um, but I mean, that's that could be an episode. That could be another theory episode in itself, couldn't it? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> to bring it back to Deliverance Lost, though, I think it it uh, it's sort of interesting to see a Primarch where the Emperor is kind of like, yeah, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. He's done. It's like. This is the eight this is the like the nineteenth time I've done this. Can we <laughs> TikTok. I need to get going. We've got the next one. So it's kinda of more interesting to see sort of the Emperor do the uh the cliff notes version of the uh of everything for Korax because it's kind of like he's a bit I like to think it's because the Emperor's done it so many times now. He's just sort of like oh <laughs> Yeah. I
1: I don't think so. I actually think that it shows that the Emperor um, kind of cares about the Primarchs, like you. You really like to say that the Emperor doesn't give a, a shit, right? That it, he's just like, oh, you're my creations, you're my tools, right? But th- there's at least two things that show, in in this book specifically, that that he, I don't that he's not like that, like apathetic towards the Primarchs. He's just really busy, uh, and it's mm-hmm. that he's got that massive palace just for the Primarchs, which are the mysterious rooms, the little special rooms, right? Uh, yeah. Wh- which kind of show that you know. Unlike the Thunder Warriors, when he was done with the Great Crusade, he wasn't just going to kill them off. He was going to, you know, uh, actually give them a life that mm. wasn't about war, I reckon. And then when he meets with Cor- with Korax, just the fact that he makes space, that he makes room in the middle of the most important war uh, the Imperium's ever faced, which I'm not even talking about the Horus Heresy at this point. I'm talking about the war in the webway. Um, you know, it really gives... A- I guess a air of importance about this meeting and the fact that he, you know, he could have just left the Raven guard to die, you know, like the Raven guard at that point, aren't really an asset to him anymore. And if he was truly yeah, apathetic, like he would have just let him die. Right. But instead of that, he trusts it, it, Like the words trust specifically appear on the book. He trusts Korax, calling him his son again. Like, and he puts this like massive amount of trust into this one guy that, that mm. you know, most people say oh, yeah. he just fuses him as a tool but if he, only viewed a, if he only viewed him as a tool, he would've just let him die, right? You wouldn't have given him the most powerful weapon ever created by mankind which is exactly what he does uh, putting, like, all of his trust into Korax and, you know, eventually it didn't work out, but it wasn't even Korax's fault um, and, yeah I, I think it really shows that the Emperor uh, does care at least about some of the Primarchs uh, in this case, specifically Korax.
0: Yeah, it's a good argument the other way. It's like the lost, the lost Primarchs. I think how the Emperor truly feels shouldn't be something that we ever know. You know, I think there's some stuff that just adds like the weight of mystery is far more effective than the weight of knowledge on the subject. Like how, apart from three sentences from Gray McNeil to describe Magnus cowabungering into the uh, Imperial Dungeon is we haven't had any we nowhere have we had POV of the Emperor um, I don't think we should ever have that I think if we had it it should just be um, just letters mashed on a keyboard because like what's going on in the Emperor's head would be so inconceivable to us mere mortals, that we would have like no clue. It's got to be like so, an SCP
1: Cognito hazard. You read it and you just start, you know, foaming at the mouth, having a stroke.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's it's something they might not ever answer, leave up to interpretation. That's kind of a char- What the character the the emperor is. Um, I mean, they kind of think now. I've heard a lot of rumors starting about whether the, that the emperor might get a model for the Horus Heresy. Um, which I think would be interesting. But again, I think he's like, it sounds so weird to say that he's like a character that's above the tabletop. Like, you could make your own custom model or find one to replicate the Big E if you want to do a Siege of Terror, like Ventral Spirit bridge battle. But he just, for me, he's like a character. Um, Whether he's being, whether he does truly care and that, that my opinion is wrong, or whether that's just what he's saying to Korax because that's how he knows Korax will respond positively so that Korax will conduct himself in a way that's beneficial to the Emperor to try and talk like how he thinks a little bit um, we will never know and that's probably for the best but uh, I think it it's food for thought that the way he treats Korax and maybe it just proves that Gav Thorpe is a nice guy because <laughs> he writes the Emperor as a nice guy and just wants people to be happy which is a tough job, to, which is a tough feeling to have when uh, everything needs to fail continually. Uh, for things to get worse. But, Varela, we're sort of a, we're at the tail end of the episode now. We've got Varela's end bits, the, almost like an end credits. Is it is quick there anything, fire
1: time?
0: Quick fire, anything you want to talk about, limit yourself to one. Cause we're, oh, I can only talk about one? A, we're at one hour and six minutes, ah, so right. it'll basically take us to one hour and ten.
1: I, I guess the uh, the assault on the Perfect Fortress um, That yeah, was very cool was I, feel, I, oh, I
0: feel bad because we you're, you're, We have finite time And we didn't cover the Imperial Army guy At all that we talked about last episode Oops. Yeah, true
1: uh, right, So I, I guess I'll, I can just go through his story for a second So he, he goes over to Istvan, sacrifices his entire army In a distraction Maneuver for the Raven Guard to get out feels really sad yeah. that he's going to lose his post, goes back to Therion, actually gets a promotion and a new army to command, comes back to Deliverance, regroups with the Raven Guard, Raven Guard are like, oh yeah, like we failed in our project, Like we don't have that many people, we're still going to assault the, the Perfect Fortress, and he goes like, well, here we go again. <laughs> uh, they drop down, this, this is the actual assault, so they drop down about 20 clicks, from the city that is the perfect fortress because the perfect fortress isn't just a castle or something it's an entire city uh, which makes a lot of sense actually like you can't just bomb it unless you want um, uh, unless you don't care about That's what makes life. it so perfect yeah. yeah unless you're the world eaters essentially you, you won't bomb it the world leaders are like um, the night lords or something like that you know yeah um, so yeah the Therion cohort drops about 20 clicks from the city starts marching towards the city starts meeting heavy resistance even though they've barely reached uh the actual defenses uh and they're essentially losing men by the thousands and this guy valerius uh was now a sub cesari is like i thought corex told me i could trust them like what's going on here all right everybody fall back in an orderly fashion and then they're like oh okay well we're gonna fall back and then it cuts uh, like for the third time into the emperor's children like command center and the guy the guy's like oh they're all falling back lord what do we do and the guy's like hmm sounds like a killing to me uh, and just sallies out into this area where mm. all of the defenses are yeah. essentially gone already because the therian cohort have already gone through them uh and you know you get this last uh, scene uh, from valerius uh, uh valerius's eyes where it's like oh we're, we're stuck in this building there's this old man like afghanistan style essentially he's going like oh you need to leave they're gonna kill us if they find you here it's like you know an american soldier lost in afghanistan uh, and he's like we can't leave like we need to stay here i'm sorry and they're like oh the, the comms guy goes like oh left flank is gone like and he goes like what we had two thousand men there how is that possible oh, I don't know, they're gone, and if you look down the street, there's a bunch of Emperor's children just clearing the houses one by one.
0: Yeah, just chilling, yeah. just, like, walking in slow motion. Yeah,
1: just walking, like, p- pistols, like, still holstered, and then they just go, like, quick draw. you know? Uh,
0: yeah, spaghetti western.
1: Yeah, and he goes, like, oh, well, that's it, I guess. We're, here we go again, you know, once more, but this time I'm involved, so I guess I won't feel guilt. And you just get this, uh, this sight right you see, you see the shadow just fly past the window and that's when you remember oh the the lead tech marine of the raven guard rebuilt corax's jump pack and then you then it goes like ah oh, yeah that's corax flying at super high speed towards these emperors children he gets to the emperors children just tears them a new one essentially and the plan that corax came up with not only is perfectly in line uh, not only is it perfectly in line with uh, what the raven guard do Right? But it's also such a, a genius moment because he knows that the Emperor's Children got all of this pride and they go, like, oh, these guys attacked our city. We're going to attack back. He knows that's how they're going to react, right? So he, he essentially mm. just goes, like, well, if we don't want our Legion to just die attacking this fortress, we got to, you know, induce some human error into the fortress because otherwise it's perfect, right? It's in the name. Yeah. You know, you got to get clued in on that. So essentially what he does. And what's so genius about this is he sends the Therian cohort in, knowing that there's going to be two mistakes that are actually, to f- for him, really advantageous. The first one being the Therian cohort is going to go in and they're going to start falling back instead of like holding position or something, you know, they're going to start falling back again, which could be seen as not a mistake. But knowing who's going to who's going to be there, it is a mistake. Like you might as well just hold position and just take whatever losses you, you got to take, you know? But they start falling mm. back, and he knows that the Emperor's Legion, uh, the Emperor's children, doesn't know that the Raven Guard are there because the Raven Guard ships arrived with the reflex shields. So he knows for a fact that he's gonna make the mistake of chasing, this, not not so fake retreat, you know. Uh, yeah. So. Quite right. Yeah. So essentially, what he does is he lures the Emperor's children into an area where the perfect fortress no longer exists, you know. It's still part of the yeah. Perfect Fortress, but the defenses aren't there, so it's no longer part of the Perfect Fortress in that sense, you know? So, not not only that, but the fact that he attacks so suddenly and out of nowhere, like, both the surprise and the fact that they're defenseless in the middle of the open, they're caught out in the middle of the open, just means that the Raven Guard can do what they love to do. They, they can just swoop in, kill as many of them as they can, and then eventually maybe even take terrain behind them and keep, like, pushing them against the Therian cohort, you know? Until they're completely gone, uh, which is like, the, you know, my my brain just just blow just blew up. It's such a good plan, you know.
0: A bit harsh on the Therians, mind.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Would you prefer losing a thousand humans or ten Space Marines? You know.
0: Hey, that's Korax's call, man. That's uh, <laughs> that's why he gets paid the big bucks and gets given the Primarch juice.
1: Exactly. It's a, it's a necessary sacrifice, you know.
0: Yeah, it was a very cool uh, ending to the book, I actually thought. It was actually pretty, or, or at least a final battle. It was pretty It was pretty neat. And also, yeah. there were Imperial Fists in Mark III. Yeah, there were Imperial Fists somewhere,
1: you know. They were, they were out there somewhere. That one, sen-
0: that one sentence was my favorite part, where the uh, Imperial Fists are like, I'm also here, yeah. and I don't really remember why.
1: The last phrase of the book was like, oh yeah, I forgot, but Imperial Fists were also there, I guess. <laughs>
0: That should have been the very end of the book. It was like Hmm the Imperial Fist Sergeant 'cause they're all like chilling out in the headquarters at the end and Imperial Fist Sergeant's like Gauntlet starts going hmm. I have eighty six missed calls from Rogaldorn. <laughs> Shit. The end. That <laughs> you in a, oh, he's gonna get he's gonna get a telling off when he gets back, I reckon.
1: Well, not not as big as the the captain from the Battle of Fowl, I I'd hope.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> Serial loser Alexis Pollux. Yeah. That, Alexis Flopper, more like. That
1: one took the first call when he shouldn't have, you know? <laughs> Norris yeah. do be out here, like, missing calls, but at least, you know, he's kicking ass.
0: I could, you know, imagine. If they ever do alternate history Horace Heresy, if someone's doing that out there, where some major events change, not the whole premise, but, like, major events change, like can we have an episode on what if Pollux wasn't a fucking moron <laughs> and just kill you imagine Perturabo gets team rocketed out of his uh out of his battle barge <laughs> blasts off right. And and uh, then Pollux is a hero but oh well oh dude didn't Some...
1: the Iron Warriors also have the siege engines so that's like a two it was on after. one after it was after was it? No, because no, it was... Uh, a yeah, 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 well, uh, yeah, it was.
0: It was cause, oh, alright. Because they, like, they leave Istvan. Because you've got to remember, Pollux and co, and this is this is our final tangent, but Pollux and co get stuck in warp storms for a long time, so they miss the rendezvous for Istvan 5. So, Perturabo is leaving the Istvan system, and their recon probe thing gives them a heads up. That the Imperial fists are trapped in this nearby system, so then he goes, "Cowerbunker it is," and jumps in there, and then does indeed cowerbunker them because they all leave like cowards because of Alexis flop. But there you go, such is the way sometimes. I think we'll, uh, I think we'll call it there, Varella, If you're happy,
1: yeah, no, well, I'm alright.
0: Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Um, right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has, believe it or not, been an episode about a book supposedly about the Raven Guard although it kind of feels like we've been everywhere but, uh, such as the novel Letters uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, and we'll see you in the next episode, from me it's goodbye, and Varela, I'll see you. bye now